Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, here I am. Use me to speak the words of your kingdom. Lord Jesus, here we are. Speak to your church. Challenge us. Equip us. Empower us to be the people of your kingdom. And Lord, help us to learn to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As I was thinking about these clauses or these different parts of the prayer that we're going to be talking about, this morning we're going, to t- we're going to talk about thy kingdom come. This prayer that Jesus teaches us to, teaches us to ask God to do something. Teaches us to ask God to have his way in the world. Teaches us to ask God to bring his kingdom. I was thinking of um, many, many years ago, it was probably maybe even eight, might have been more than that years ago. In a previous church, we had a, a friend who just loved our kids, and she you know, worked in children's ministry, and one day she just wanted to bless them, and at the time we only had, only, only had four, um, and uh, she, she gave them a $100 gift card to Toys R Us. So you know it was a couple years, at least a couple years ago, because Toys R Us isn't around anymore. Um, and uh, so they were maybe like seven, six, and the twins were four, or something like that. And so they each had $25 at Toys R Us, you know, and when you're like four, five, six, that's like a million dollars, basically. Um, and so we went to Toys R Us one day, and we're going in, and I'm, I'm like imagining like all the amazing, cool stuff, you know, the, all the little boys were like obsessed with Buzz Lightyear. So I was just thinking like, oh man, look at, they're just going to be able to get these cool Toy Story toys or whatever. Um, you know, Leah loved princesses, and I was just thinking of all the cool stuff. And when you first walked into the Toys R Us we went to, the first section that you encountered was like the cheap section, right? Like the dollar ball that like when you throw it, it goes like this, right? And the hula hoops and the jump ropes and like all of the, like, the cheap little stuff that probably they're going to get bored with in about five minutes if it doesn't break before they get bored with it, right? And one of the kids got fixated on a hula hoop. And that was all they cared about for the rest of the journey through the store. And I kept being like, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And look at all this cool stuff you could get. And it was like, I don't care about any of that. Just make sure this hula hoop makes it home with us. And, and it, it is an analogy, I think, of this invitation that Jesus gives us, the instruction about praying. Because how often are we fixated on something while the Lord is doing something big and amazing all around us, that there's, there's all this activity of the Lord's kingdom and the power of the gospel and so many things going on, but we're in our little moment. And that doesn't mean that our moment's not important. It doesn't mean our suffering's not important, but we're like right here, focused right here. And we forget to like bring our eyes up and see all that God is doing and inviting us into and calling us to participate in. And I think that's one of the things that Jesus teaches us as he teaches us to pray. He teaches us that we should align our prayers with God's priorities, that we should audaciously believe in the power of God through prayer, and that we should actively commit ourselves to God's purposes in the world. So those are kind of my three A's this morning. Align our prayers with God's priorities, audaciously believe in the power of God, and actively commit ourselves to God's purposes. So let me show you what I mean. As you look at um, either Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer or Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, 
notice that the, the prayer doesn't go, our heavenly father, and then we start dumping out our needs and wants and desires to him, right? The first three petitions in Matthew's are all about God. It's, it's hallowed be thy name, which is not a statement, it's a, it's a prayer. It's a, a way of saying to God, God, let your name be known in all the earth. Let your character be revealed in all the earth. Lord, glorify yourself. Before you even hear what I have to say, Lord, make yourself big and important and impressive and wonderful in the eyes of the world. And then secondly, Lord, let your kingdom come. Not Curtis's kingdom, let your kingdom come into the world. And then the third one is, and let your will, not my will, right? When we come to prayer, we're not giving God our best advice of how he ought to solve our problems. We are, first of all, submitting ourselves to him, to his holiness, to his kingdom, and to his will. Do you see what I mean? That Jesus teaches us to begin with God, not with us. We are called to align our prayers with God, not to try to convince God to align his purposes and priorities with our prayers. Hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's there in uh, Luke's version, he says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. It's there in Matthew's version where he gives us all three. You know, I saw a, sort of similar to my opening illustration, but I saw a comic on Facebook this week, and it was a little boy kneeling at his bedside praying, and he, he was saying, I want a skateboard, and I want a video game, and I want a bicycle, and I want a puppy, and I, and I want, and I want, and I want, and I want. And then the next frame was his mom walking into the room going, are you praying? And he goes, yeah. And then in the th- third frame, she says, oh, I thought you were talking to Santa Claus. <laughs> and we can do that, right? Sometimes we come with, with everything, and it's not, not that that stuff is bad. It's not that our desires are bad. It's not that our, our hardships that we want to bring to God is bad. None of that's bad. It's just that Jesus actually teaches us to begin with God and God's purposes, and then under that umbrella to bring our cares and concerns and needs and hopes. God's priority, Jesus teaches us, through his life, death, resurrection, and right here in the prayer, God's priority is the bringing of his kingdom into the world. God wants the kingdom, God is going to have his kingdom come into the world. That is priority A1 on God's to-do list. And no amount of conjoling will convince him otherwise. The kingdom of God is the thing that ties the whole story of the Bible and indeed the whole story, the real story, the true story of history together. It's how God made the world. It was God's people living in God's place under God's rule and God's blessing. And it was lost because human beings, our first parents and us ourselves, we reject that rule and blessing. And we say, I think, Lord, I actually think I would be a better king than you. And we call that idolatry and sin. And all of us fall into it. As we go throughout the story of the Bible, we see the the kingdom, again, glimpsed through the kingdom of Israel, through the priesthood, through the temple, through the prophets, through the, the mighty acts of God in salvation in Israel. And finally, we see the kingdom come in the person of our Lord Jesus, who says, uh, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he goes to the cross and is crucified as the king of God's kingdom. God's priority in the world is to bring the kingdom in its fullness. And he promises that the end of the age, Jesus will come back and make all things new and wipe away the tear from every eye and the tree of life will be for the healing of the nations and God himself will dwell with us. That's God's priority. And it's under that that we bring all of our baggage and hurts and hangups and needs to him. God is working this amazing, miraculous kingdom and he's going to bring it 
He can be believed. He's building up his body, the church. We are a glimpse of the kingdom of God in the here and the now. So we want to align our prayers. I, that God's plan for history is way better than my plan for my life. Have, is anybody, can anybody testify to that? That God's plan for your life is way better than your plan for your life was? Amen. So we align our prayers with God's priorities. But that does take humility, doesn't it? It means we have to admit that we don't know better than God. And that sometimes he puts us through trials. So sometimes we go through seasons of testing. Sometimes we suffer. And I, and, and I wonder sometimes when you, when you hear a preacher talking about suffering or hear a preacher talking about the power of the gospel, that you think that, oh, yeah, well, that person doesn't know my life. I'm saying that to you as someone who has legitimately suffered. Okay? Um, I was thinking again this morning, I, actually this Two weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, I got, I got a bill from my, my mom's nursing home. So my mom had a, a medical emergency in 2002, and she's been in a bed in a nursing home for 21 years. And I, her son, am her guardian. That is like, what, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, right? Parents take care of children. Children don't take care of parents. And we're not supposed to have illnesses and sicknesses that make us not the same person that we used to be. She's like a, it's like talking to a three-year-old kid when I go and visit my mom. What, Lord, what are you doing? But I have to humbly submit and say, I don't, I don't know what he's doing here, but I know what he's doing up here. And he's bringing his kingdom. And it lets me pray with hope and pray with expectation about what God is going to do. Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Man, Paul, I wish you would have said, give thanks when things are good, <laughs> right? But he says, give thanks in all circumstances. And the, isn't the story of the Bible full of God allowing, even sometimes bringing about trials and testing, right? Joseph, Job, David, our Lord Jesus, we have to humbly submit and align our priorities with him. Seek first the kingdom of God and trust him that we can believe him, that he's working all things for good for those who love him or are called according to his purpose. Align your prayers with his priorities. That lets us pray with hope. But we are also called to audaciously believe in God's power. And as I was, this is something that stood out to me this week, like personally stood out to me this week. I am, I am all about uh, cast your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. I'm all about Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I am keenly aware of how wearying just everyday regular life is. And I want you to hear that the gospel is the message that you can bring all those burdens, all the things that you've done, all the things that have been done to you, all the ways that the world has broken and impacted you. You can bring all that to Jesus and find rest in him. And we can believe that we have a big God who does big things. We want to say both of those. We want to, we want to audaciously believe in God's power. We want, to, we want to pray God-sized prayers, if I could put it that way. You know, we sang that beautiful song about our inability to describe how amazing and beautiful and good and powerful God is, right? You cannot change, yet you change everything. It, we sing about this big God. I'm, I'm just asking in the season of Lent, are our prayers the same size as our God? We want to bring our cares and anxieties to him. We want to pray for healing. We want to pray about what's really going on in our hearts. And we want to pray that his kingdom will come in the world. 
Because his kingdom is not tied up in my mom getting healed. At the end of the day, it's not. Now, she will be healed in the new heavens and the new earth because she was a follower of Jesus. But it's bigger than that. It's amazing. God is going to destroy sin, death, and the devil. God is going to restore and renew the world and human beings, and God is going to dwell with us forever. Are we praying prayers that are that big? You know, I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. So often in Paul's letters, he, he asked the churches to pray for him. In Colossians chapter 4, he says, I pray for an open door that I might speak the gospel. In Ephesians, he, he, uh, he prays that he would be able to bear witness boldly. You know, and, and I think sometimes when I read that, I kind of thought like, yeah, like, like, like he goes to a new city and he meets somebody and he's bold about sharing the gospel with that person. And I think that's included But then this week I was thinking about, but wait a second, think about the big plans that Paul had for the gospel, for church planting, for for his missionary journeys, right? Like in the back of your Bible, you can look at a little map of his missionary journeys. How crazy is 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 it that this Jew from Tarsus went all over the whole Mediterranean world planting churches and telling people about Jesus, right? He didn't, he didn't have a small vision of what his calling was. He thought of himself as the apostle to the Gentiles, and apparently he thought that meant all the Gentiles, right? He, he told the church at Rome, I hope that I can visit you on my way to Spain. It's the other side of the world for Paul. Uh, he, remember at the, book of, at the end of the book of Acts, uh, he's, he's arrested for preaching the gospel and he's taken and he, he has a, um, an audience with Herod Agrippa and he has an audience with Festus, the Roman governor, and he appeals to Caesar. You remember that? He says, I'm a Roman citizen, I appeal to Caesar. You can't you can't convict me or anything. I can appeal to Caesar, and I'm gonna, you're going to take me to Rome, and I'm going to get an audience with Caesar. He's not getting an audience with Caesar so that he can get off the hook. He's actually crazy enough to believe that if he gets an audience with Caesar, he's going to preach the gospel to Caesar, and Caesar's going to believe. What? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Do you have a God-sized prayer like that? Do you have a, do you have a vision that God has put on your heart that seems insane, but you know that God can do all things. He's almighty, and that he's bringing his kingdom into his world, and he just might do it, right? That's what, that's what I'm trying to get us to think about. Paul was crazy like that. He prayed God-sized prayers, and he invited his churches to pray God-sized prayer. And Jesus is inviting us to pray a God-sized prayer. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come in Fleming Island. Let your kingdom come in Clay County. Let your kingdom come in Florida. Let your kingdom come in the United States. Let your kingdom come, Lord. You know, what's that look like for us here at Grace to pray God-sized prayers? Yesterday, uh, Miss Barb and me and three students, we went over to the table church to do kids ministry for a little over an hour so that all the grown-ups could do a training with our canon for church planting, Taylor Boda, who came to do some training. And, and I was just thinking about like, okay, so that's like a sacrifice of a couple of hours of the five of us who went over to serve. But then there's like 20 adults who now have been trained in like how to pray for people. And those 20 adults are going to go out and pray for their coworkers and neighbors and friends. And there's this ripple effect that God is doing this big thing, right? What is a God-sized prayer for us? We've planted two churches so far, um, the Table Church and Planted, planting Rise Church, and we're trying to help uh, rejuvenate, revitalize Good Samaritan over in Middleburg. What if, what if instead of two churches, we planted 10 churches? You know? 
What if instead of one alpha that's happening at Urban Bean, what if there was an alpha happening at Urban Bean and there was an alpha happening up in downtown Jacksonville and there was a, one happening at Spring Park Coffee down in, in Green Cove, all happening at the same time? Do we have God-sized prayers? That's what I'm asking us. When, God, when Jesus says, begin with the kingdom, he's not saying, squash your prayers. He's saying, bring your prayers up into the amazing, huge thing that God is doing called the kingdom of God. So pray audaciously, believing in the power of God. Align your prayers with the priority of God to bring the kingdom. Believe audaciously in the power of God. And then the third thing, really briefly, is um, pray with an active commitment to God's purposes. Pray with an active commitment to God's purposes. So he says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's Matthew adds that on earth as it is in heaven. Um, because in Matthew, Matthew's constantly highlighting the fact that earth doesn't look like heaven. He, he wants us to always remember, hey, don't get confused. This is not all that there is. Even when this is really good, this is not all that there is. There is never heaven on earth until Jesus comes back and literally brings heaven back to earth. We are praying that God will restore all things, and in the meantime, we and our brothers and sisters and all throughout the world, people will do the will of God. Thy will be done. So when we pray thy will be done, we're praying that those kingdom values that we so often talk about and read about in Holy Scripture, um, sacrificial love, mercy, generosity, kindness, faithfulness, we, we're praying that those things would happen. The, the, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments that we read at the beginning of our service, we're praying that people from their hearts would truly live out um, God's vision for what it looks like for humans to flourish. We're praying that God's will would be done. We're praying that the worship and honor of God that happens in heaven day and night throughout all eternity would happen on the earth. We're praying um, that, the, that the obedience that Jesus calls us to and the obedience that, that Paul calls the church to that we would truly live that out. And obviously, as we pray, thy will be done, we're part of the will be done part, right? Like, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are y'all on earth? Yes, me too. Which means we're part of the doing of the will of God. When we pray that, we're sort of praying something that we can lean into, that we can ourselves, we can sort of be the answer in some small way to the very prayers that we're praying. You know, remember in, in the book of James where James says, uh, he gives like an a, like a illustration. He says, if a, a man comes to his neighbor and he's hungry and the neighbor says to him, be warm and well fed, stay blessed, but doesn't feed him, then he says that faith, that's like faith without works. That's, that's dead faith, right? And I, I guess I want to kind of paraphrase that and say, I think prayers that pray for something, but when we don't engage that thing are kind of dead prayers. Like out of our mouths, we're saying, God, this matters to us, but with our lives, we're saying, well, but it doesn't really matter that much, right? We, this prayer, thy will be done, is a challenge to us to say, how can I be the person who embodies the value of the kingdom? How can I be a person who walks in obedience, who's, who's growing in obedience? How can I be a person who worships God, not just with my lips, but with my life? giving up myself to God's service. We are called to pray with an active commitment 
to God purposes. And I know that so many of you are doing that. So, so please hear this as, a, as um, I'm really trying to exhort myself <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, this prayer is a, or this, this sermon is a sermon to myself, an exhortation to myself. As we look around in the world and we see people in need, let's not just say, oh Lord, would you help that person? But let's say, oh Lord, would you help me to help that person? Yeah? We want to be actively committed to God's purposes. Lord, let thy will be done in my life. That's how, that's how we want to begin. So I think that's what the Lord Jesus teaches us. The disciple comes to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and some of what Jesus teaches us is, here's how you pray. Align your priorities with God's priorities. Number two, believe audaciously in the power of God. And number three, actively commit yourself to God's purposes. And I believe if we do that, God will answer our prayers. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this scripture which records this important, rich and beautiful and challenging teaching from Jesus about how to pray. Lord, help us as we so often pray the Lord's Prayer, maybe in our morning and evening prayer, but especially when we gather to come to your table and we pray your prayer. Lord, help us to mean it deeply from our hearts. To be aligned with your kingdom, to believe that you're at work and that you can do amazing and measurably more than we can ask or imagine. Lord, and help us by your Holy Spirit, through the power of the gospel, to be committed to your purposes in the world. Bless us to this end for your glory's sake, Lord. Hallowed be thy name. In Jesus' name, amen.